The Hand of Brass. Episode 11, The Beginning of the End. Jet-black candles illuminated bloody sigils on the cold stone floor. Rhythmic mutterings from the hooded figures echoed about the room as they chanted ancient incantations. The figures all bowed, save for their leader, who stood at the center of the runic geometry. Pulling back her hood, she revealed herself. Queen Tatiana of Alamendia. Through means unknown, our late Sir Branador has brought him to our plane of existence. His life came to an untimely end. But through his actions and sacrifice, our Lord has risen. From the mistake of one do we prosper. From the heart of darkness we thrive. We stand before you and submit. From, From the mistake of one do we prosper. From the heart of darkness we thrive. We stand before you and submit. As the ritual continued, a door opened from the southern end of the chamber. In walked King Titus. Tatiana, what is so urgent? There is much to be done. Adon's breath, not this again. Tatiana, I do not have time for your insane rituals. Unlike you, I am busy leading a nation. Alamindia is drowning, Titus. Surely you see this. We must conjure the spirits to aid us. No country has ever been saved by lighting candles and babbling nonsense. You never did have a love for the arts, Titus. Is that what you call the dribbles on the floors? Very awful. What is this, pig's blood? Titus began to make his way back through the southern door, only to have it shut in his face. Oh, Tatiana, I allow you to play make-believe and perform these magical rituals so that you may be at peace and not bother me. But you should take up a new infatuation. For all your love of magic, it has never loved you. Now open these doors and let me get back to my birthright. Your birthright has always been your strength, hasn't it, Titus? The royal blood that courses through your veins? Tatiana's hands brushed up Titus's arms slowly, tenderly. It is this blood that makes you so strong, isn't it? You really are the strongest king that has ever graced the throne. Unfastening her robe, Tatiana let it fall to the floor, revealing her nude figure. Oh, that I am. Such troubled times to worry a troubled king. Lay with me here, my love. If it pleases you. Tatiana pulled the king close to her. Titus kissed her neck as she whispered in his ear, Let me relieve you of your burden. Suddenly, Titus felt a sharp blade pierce his back. Tatiana pushed Titus to the floor, directly into the center sigil. He gasped for breath that would not come, his mouth agape, unable to scream from the puncture in his lung. She then straddled the king. With the strength of your royal blood! We rise again! Tatiana plunged the dagger deep into Titus's heart. The servants around her began to slit their own throats and fall forward. Tatiana looked about the room desperately, her eyes searching for some affirmation that she had accomplished her goal. A moment passed in silence. Until... Do you realize how many of you have tried to contact me since my arrival? Tatiana's head snapped back to see a figure stepping from the shadows. It was a gray man with a holly crown and a black scepter. Malice. Countless sacrificial rituals. I must say I am flattered. So much blood spilt in my honor. But those were the meager offerings of lowly peons. You, however, to slay a king, to end a royal bloodline, 
For me? You are bold indeed, and perhaps worthy of my attention. Melnus held out his hand, and a green glowing energy began to radiate. Uh-uh. You underestimate this disciple, my lord. I know of your power over mortals' will. While I stand within this sigil, you cannot harm nor touch me. I have called you here because I wish to make a bargain. A bargain? How trite. But since you have made me such a noble gift, I shall hear your plea. As I am such a prized commodity, let us begin with what I stand to gain. My nation's forces have been increasing exponentially over the years since our last conflict with Atalus and Berenia. I firmly believe that we are ready to take the known world again by storm. With the right leader, I am more than certain that you would suit that role. Ah, an entire army at my disposal. I suppose I could find some use for such a resource. And what would you seek in return? Ever since I was a little girl, I was always enamored with magic. My natural aptitude was insufficient. The Draconians turned me away. Please, my lord, bless me with the arcane power the likes of which no other mortal has wielded. Then together, we can take this mortal plane for ourselves. Hmm. These terms are most agreeable. Very well. I will endow you with power that none have witnessed in millennia. But before we consummate this union... Malnus strode to Tatiana, <sighs> ignoring the many glyphs she had intricately lain in blood. Tatiana's eyes widened, her skin writhed, but she dared not move. He gently laid a palm against her neck, and she could barely feel his fingers softly resting at her throat. He leaned in until they were face to face, and as their eyes met, she saw just a glimpse of what lay beyond them. The air became frigid, as one last shuddering breath left her and hung visible around her face. She could feel the desolation of the void endlessly expanding around her, and for the first time ever, she saw how small she was. Sigils are nothing to a god. Malnus's icy grip bit down hard into her skin. The candles extinguished. All Tatiana felt from then on was cold. A trio of horse riders traveled southwest through the Holan forest. An orc dressed in traveling attire and a feathered cavalier hat, followed by two hooded women. They had been traveling for just over a week when a rough-looking man emerged from the brush, brandishing a rusty battle axe. I'm gonna have to stop you right there, my friends. Any further, you'll have to pay the traveler's toll. A traveler's toll? In these parts? Never have I heard of such a thing. And judging by your trappings, you don't seem to be a king's official. You'll have much more than money to pay if and you don't comply with our terms, my lord. The orc's two female companions subtly scanned about the trees. Two archers, one left and one right. Got it. Well, sir, I assure you, we'd much rather be parted from our coin than anything more dear. The trio dismounted their horses. The orc took a pouch of ducats from his coat and tossed it just a few feet in front of him. The bandit approached the purse and bent over to pick it up. <laughs> Smart man you are. As the bandit stood back up with pouch in hand, the orc smoothly removed his hat and tossed it into the man's face. He'd drawn his sword and lunged the distance between them before his hat even touched the ground. 
Simultaneously, the hooded women unleashed long silver chains from their cloaks, swatting the bows of the lurking archers off course. The woman with the brighter chain was slightly off the mark, however, causing the bowman's arrow to launch dangerously close, passing right by her face. Meanwhile, the axe-wielding bandit barely had time to block the orc's incoming sword strike. This orc was no mere traveling noble. His footwork was impeccably nimble, and his blade dexterous and precise. In short order, the orc's steel found the man's heart, dropping him in an instant. The cloaked chain-wielders lashed out again, each catching an archer's leg, sweeping them off their feet. The women yanked hard, pulling the archers within striking distance. Drawing long daggers, they finished their assailants. Very impressive, ladies. Natalia, once you're done training Celine, I surely wouldn't mind a lesson or two with that chain. Thank you, Branick. Celine, you need to stop initiating with your shoulder. I've told you already, the wrist is the key to this. You may not be so lucky when an archer has you in their sights like that. Right, sorry. <sighs> Mastering the chain of Ina isn't easy. That's why you hired the best. I have to admit, I was surprised you asked me to train you. Must have taken a lot to swallow your pride after how easily I handled you when you crashed Baron Duval's wedding. Yes, well, better to learn from your betters than learn from a lesser and be their equal. Though I am proud you didn't resort to using magic. Uh, well, that's been difficult lately. Well, friends, shall we carry on? If my map is correct, we should make it to the Alvidian capital within the week. Brannock picked up his hat and brushed it off. He paused for a moment, listening. There was more rustling beyond the tree line. Someone was running towards them. As Brannock readied his sword, an orc emerged and collapsed onto the road. You have to help! Please! They're... Uh, the capital! Slow down. What's wrong? The, uh, the Alamendians. They're... Uh, Watcher's mercy. So many dead. Take a breath. What happened? The Alamendians. Uh, they've taken Fort Vinter. They're headed to the capital. Our outposts would have raised alarm the moment an Alamendian platoon came so close to the capital. It's more than just a platoon, sir. It's an army. When they came, we were overwhelmed in an instant. We're being slaughtered. I barely made it out. We never even saw them coming. It must have been her doing. I saw her. I saw the Frost Witch. Brannock stood, taking this all in. He'd already heard rumors of this Frost Witch, of towns left buried beneath snow and ice, and whispers that the armies of Alamendia marched alongside the devil himself. Since the return of Malnus, Alamendia had declared an all-out war on the whole of the known world. This year had seen Berenia's ally, Atalus, fall to the Alamendian forces. Berenia had sent what aid they could spare, but it wasn't enough. These invasions have been so calculated and swift, as if Alamendia had been planning this since the peace treaties were signed from the last conflict. How far out are they? Their siege weapons slow them down, but they will be at the capital in no more than two weeks. Brannock, what do we do? We need to get to Alvidia, but by the time we get there and back, it will be too late to warn Cromwell and Yala. Brannock pressed his eyes shut and turned his face to the sky. They themselves were more than a week away from the Baranian capital. Even if they were to get there in time, They'd have a few days at most before the impending invasion. Could the city be readied so quickly? Those stone walls had endured battle before, but never against the likes of siege weapons and magic such as these. They needed more time. Brannock's eyes flicked open. You and Natalia will go to Elvidia. You will have to meet the king without me. I'll take this young orc to warn the city. I don't have to tell you how difficult it will be to get the Elvidian royals on your side, but I know you are capable. It's been so long since I've been home, but... I will manage somehow. Take care, Brannock. Brannock nodded and studied his new charge for a moment. He was young, hardly of age. What's your name, son? Desmond, sir. At your service. Well, Desmond, 
Shall we save a kingdom? Hey there, thanks for listening. If you really enjoyed what you heard, leave a rate and review, and keep up to date with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Hand of Brass. And if you want to support us further, check out our Patreon. You can get exclusive access to bonus footage, behind the scenes, interviews, and more. Thanks again for listening.